Do you have to take a very long flight to get to any of your grands? If so, you probably qualify as a distance grandparent. Many of us have flights of several hours across the United States, but what if you have a trip that is 15 to 30 hours long? Do you think that makes a big difference, or is anything more than a day's drive or even a trip out of town too much distance for you? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. In today's episode of The Grand Life, we talk for a second time to author and anthropologist Helen Ellis, who's a New Zealand researcher and the founder of DistanceFamilies.com. Three of her children and five of her grandchildren live 16 to 30 flight hours away in America, England, and Scotland. And in her research, she asks the question, how is distance familying for you? Helen is the author of a book series that combines her personal experiences with her extensive global research. Her second book, Being a Distance Son or Daughter, is out now, and her next book, Being a Distance Grandchild, will be released next year. Helen's goal is to support each generation of distance families to understand how it is for the other and pass on some how-to-do-it tips. And you might find this useful even if you aren't a very long distance away. Helen, welcome to The Grand Life. It's wonderful to have you on. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's just a pleasure to be here. You guys do such a great job, and I'm I'm just delighted to have the opportunity. So thank you. You're welcome. We had you on last, uh, right in the middle of COVID, March of 2021, uh, and you write about being a distance grandparent. It's something we talked about in a previous episode, but since then, so much has happened. And maybe you could tell us more about that book, uh, being a distance grandparent, and also your audiobook and other subsequent projects you've been working on or have completed. Thanks. Yes, no, it's been been quite a busy time, really. And uh, so I published the Being a Distance Grandparent um, a month after we chatted. So that was April 2021. And um, that was just really quite exciting, you know, yeah. becoming an author and you end up with sort of interviews on the radio and all sorts <laughs> of things. But of course, I hadn't, you know, I never moved from my house. It was, you know, pandemic and you never actually saw anyone in person. But that was terrific and, and a real honor. And after that, I, because we couldn't go anywhere, we couldn't go and see the family, I thought, right, let's get stuck into the next one, because I planned to write three books, and each book about the different generations of the distance families, mm-hmm. and with the hope that we would all be able to understand each other better by filling in the gaps of what's not talked about. So I got stuck into being a distant son and daughter. That's all about how it is for our kids when they go overseas. Mm-hmm. And um, that was... Terrific, I head down, bum up, and I'd learned about audiobooks were the biggest growing area of publishing, and I also began to appreciate that for older people, sometimes even holding a physical paperback or dealing with an e-book and a Kindle is actually quite tricky for them. I don't think we think about that or, very often, do we? No, yeah. well, I was talking with my mother so much more at that point, and you know, I was sort of beginning to understand more about arthritis and all those sorts of issues, and that's what made me think, hmm, maybe I'll give this a go. So I did, and um, so I recorded the narration myself. I had about ten trips across town to this funny little place, and felt like I was going to confession. You know? <laughs> <Sit> <laughs> in a little, little booth. booth. <laughs> that's right. And uh, every time I kind of fluffed one single word, it's got this voice in my ear here saying, "No, no, 
back that backtrack. Oh, and, no. <laughs> but that was good. It was a good experience. And my son lives in Chicago, and he's a broadcaster. He's on the classical radio station there. And I got him to record the forward for the book, which was really cool, you know, to have yeah. him involved. Because oh. this is, you know, my kids sort of aren't super involved in what I do, but it was really great. So that has been a terrific book for libraries especially. Um, I mean, all my books are perfect for libraries, but libraries are growing their ebook and audiobook stocks, and so it's been really terrific there. So that was great. And now I'm writing the last book, which is called Being a Distance Grandchild. And this is fascinating because nobody has ever asked our grandchildren who are scattered around the world, how is it or how was it being a distance grandchild? Oh, wow, yeah. The response is like, oh, nobody's ever asked me that. Yeah, what are because you hearing? Had... What are you hearing? I mean, probably all across oh. the board, right? Well, do, well, does it depend on the age of the person you're interviewing? Because I would think yes may- no. maybe yeah. expectations are different. Well, I have made a decision. I'm not interviewing children because mm-hmm. this is a whole area of ethics, and I think they need to be done face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to write a global book, you know, I'm, I can't get in a plane and go everywhere. True. So, so I've made a decision that I'm interviewing adults and I think my youngest one's going to be 16 and they go up to about 70 something what I found is fascinating because they first of all most of them never had a choice that they were separated from their grandparents of course right and they never really thought about it. They've all found it incredibly cathartic. And um, the sort of themes that have come out of it all have been things like, um, you know, the, the parental decision, you know, what, what, how their parents went through that process, what, why they did what they did. Was it good? Was it bad? Um, they talk about unexplained connections they have to some grandparent that, they really can't understand. You know, I've got one woman who's had a photo of her grandfather. She would be in her 60s now. photo of her grandfather on her desk everywhere she lived in the world. She said, mm. I can't explain why it's there. Uh, changing the narrative in the future of, well, my parents did this and we ended up moving all around the world and I'm not doing that for my kids. When I have kids, we're staying still. Yeah, I imagine that you would hear of, that. But you know what's yeah. interesting, and I don't know if this... My own, our own children experienced their grandparents moving away from them. So we were in the United States and the grandparents, my, my father, their grandfather decided mm-hmm. to go to take a job in Belgium. Mm-hmm. They had this close relationship. Then all of a sudden, nothing. So that was kind yeah. of interesting because at the time we didn't have FaceTime and we didn't have Zoom and all the different things that we have now. And so it That's felt right. very much like they were gone. And on yes. my side of the family, my parents moved away from us after we moved to the part of the country that they were in. So they mm-hmm. increased our distance from about three hours to about mm. 16 hours. Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting. I don't know if you're even talking about that, about grandparents who leave their kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I do actually. And, yeah. and it's, it's very big in, you know, the likes of America and Canada where, you know, you head to Florida and get some sun. Um, and it's very understandable. And sure. so 
all the grieving happens in the opposite direction as well. And especially, you know, for yourself, Michael, when you've, you know, you've gone to the trouble of going to live where the grandparents are, now they're on the move. Exactly. And the same thing happens in reverse. Grandparents go and live where the grandkids are, and then they move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all about we all have to allow ourselves to get on with life yeah. and accept what is Mm-hmm. and make the most of what we've got because it doesn't have to be a disaster. That's one of my key messages is, you know, having a distance family is not a, it's not a, going to be a disaster for your family. You can have really great relationships and things can still thrive. It's just a matter of being intentional and working at it all the time. As you've been researching this, you know, you've been a distance grandparent yourself, right? So how has that been for you? I mean, what are your circumstances? How's that changed for you since the beginning of the project? Well, that's true. I mean, I'm living my topic every day. (laughs) And I have to sort of think of my P's and Q's and go, okay, what did I write about that when something tricky (laughs) kind of happens? (laughs) And truly, I mean, I do. You know, we just have the same sort of things that happen in our family like everybody else. But there have been a few really different things. Um, My son in Chicago and his um, American girlfriend, they got married during COVID. So we hosted a virtual wedding. Mm-hmm. And it was Saturday night in Chicago, so that's Sunday morning here in the middle of winter, and it was a rainy day. And we had over 40 people in our reasonably smallish house for breakfast and uh, set up all the TVs and actually got all the technology right, despite the fact that I vacuumed up a very important wire in the morning the day before. <laughs> it wouldn't be a wedding without some <laughs> catastrophe, right? <laughs> exactly. And we managed to cross over and have speeches and it all worked. And you know what? It was brilliant. I had people, friends of my sons come up who would never in a million years have got on a plane and gone to Chicago for the wedding. And mm-hmm. they said, thank you so much for doing that. And we were all starved of social events at that point. And it was just, it was wonderful. I have no regrets at all. I didn't want them delaying the wedding. Get on, you know. So mm-hmm. that happened. We had um, our two grandchildren in England who are now 21 and 24. We've been back and forth and back and forth to them many times. They have never visited New Zealand. And that's very unusual for children who are half Kiwis. But <laughs> the younger one decided he would come and have a gap year here. And oh, so nice. and he came, planned to have a working holiday. And remember, this is a lad, last time we saw him, he was 16, um, you know, with COVID and everything, and shorter than my husband, and now he's six foot something, and he's 20. So <laughs> <laughs> and he's a Aww. Gen Z, a typical Gen Z, you know, um, second-year university student. So he planned to do all sorts of things here, but actually in the end he ended up living with us for quite a long time. And that was a new experience for us. What a gift. Yeah. I'm going to assume it was a gift. (laughs) It was a gift, though we all had our moments. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But it was... It was great. So we're seeing him again at Christmas. We're going to England for Christmas. And we know him, warts and all, and he knows us, warts and all. So, And the other big thing is that all my books and all my writing and this whole distance families activity cause thing has – it has always been once the kids were born, all the grandkids were born, but our son and daughter-in-law in Chicago are having a baby. So we're going to have a brand new baby 
So I haven't written a book and actually had a brand new baby come. And it wasn't <laughs> something we were really made and didn't know if we'd ever come. And we're actually going to even call into Chicago on the way home from England. And it was, we were actually coming the other way around the world, but we've changed it. We're going to come for America now. And that was one of those, gee whiz, what would I do? You know, the mother-in-law shouldn't be turning up a few days after a birth. That's not what I would recommend. But anyway, we had some straight questions, and we know we're very welcome, and that's great. Good. Splendid. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Mm. Oh, wow, you've had a lot of things going on. In in addition to uh, telling people about your book and marketing the yeah. book and writing that's the true. things. And being on planes for just about the longest time one can be on a plane. Yes, yes. Oh, we- oh, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, it's important to note that your books use the word distance and not distant, and I think some people believe that that's kind of synonymous. And like, if you are distant from your grandchildren, you just give up because there's too much physical distance. But I've seen instances, we've both seen this, where grandparents who live right down the street can be distant from their grandchildren. So there is a distance, even though they're very close. So talk to us a little bit about that. I thought long and hard about those words, especially with the cover of the book. And it often gets confused. Even people from quite academic circles refer to my book as being to distant with a T, grandparent or son or daughter. So the distance with a C is all about geography. Yeah. This is all, it's all about geography. And the one thing I've learned from all the people I've talked to along the way, and I mentioned it before, is some of the strongest relationships in families, you know, a family might have, I know, two families, I've got three sons, they're both New Zealand families, and the, the one that lives the furthest away is the one they're closest to. Interesting. Yeah. So I have a whole chapter I've devoted in the son and daughter book. It's only three, three pages long, but it was such an important message. And basically it says, moving aboard doesn't have to be a family disaster. Yeah. It's all about intentionality. It's all about accepting from either side. And most definitely about, you know, children down the road. I mean, my my own mother who lives 20 minutes away, probably the grandchild she's closest to is the one that's furthest away. And she's got them in all sorts of places. So, you know, and it's just just about working at it. So they definitely are not synonymous. They can be, but (laughs) they don't have to be. Yeah. I suppose it's not automatic either. That is... uh, being reductionist about it makes me want to say, well, if you have to work at it, it's going to end up uh, working out better. It's going to be a richer relationship because distance forces you to work at it. But yes. I don't think that's necessarily true because proximity doesn't let you off the hook. I mean, I, I think the result that Emily's talking about is where you live close by and you're not that close proves that you still need to work at it. It doesn't much matter how far away you are. Exactly, exactly. You know, there's so much you take for granted when they just live down the road. And there's different things that happen. You know, it's more fluid and it's not so regimented and it, you don't have to worry about time zones. And so you really appreciate it. And then so when we each visit, man, you know, we're really grateful for that time. Right. And think carefully. 
about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And I mean, we have an Excel chart on Google Drive that everybody feeds into when people visit, <laughs> you know, so that we all know what's happening and we don't get disappointed and we understand our kids need to visit other yep. people. That's thing. great yeah. idea. Yeah, lots of negotiating, <laughs> lots of expectation Ooh. meeting, you know, trying to make sure everybody understands the expectations. All of that is really, really important. Mm. You know, mm. I'm curious mm. because you've now been into the grandparent world for, for several years now as you've been writing these books. How well, have you seen the grandparent movement change in the, maybe let's just say even the last five years? Wow. Well, I think we, you know, we can't ignore COVID and everything that's happened there. And that without a doubt has changes. I think we've all probably aged a little bit. Yeah. You know, just amazed that we probably didn't really want to. <laughs> and, but one thing I was really impressed with was with the resilience of the grandparents mm. and especially that silent generation, the ones that were born, um, you know, before the war, during the war, shortly after, before the, the baby boomers, you know, they've been through, um, so much, and I, I was really, you know, respected how they managed. I've seen the expectations about babysitting, the physical babysitting, as housing is more expensive. You know, we have terrible problems of expensive housing here. Um, you know, employment issues, cost of living, the obligations on grandparents to physically babysit um, so parents can go back to work is just huge. I mean, I don't have that on a day-to-day basis. I would not be doing this, what I do here with for, at creating a movement, if I was looking after children because I'd be saving my energy up. And I think, you know, we've got a bit cleverer with our online activity, which is terrific. We're, you know, mm-hmm. we're forced to, so we've embraced that. I think travel's a little bit harder. Um, you know, we got went to the States last year, first trip, you know, big one after the big gap. And technology is everywhere. You know, you need to be switched on with your smartphone yeah. and you need to be with the program. Um, so, and, and I think we've also all become so much more aware of all these big issues in the world, global warming, you know, the racism, gender issues, neurodiversity. These are things that we didn't talk about as much mm-hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen grandparents flooded out of homes when we've had these massive floods we've had in New Zealand, and they're still not back there. I, I visited a retirement village the other day to donate them a book, and you know, there's 30 units, and this is only 20 minutes from where I live, 30 units flooded with like a rivers going through them. Oh, um, you know, these people are, are now all over the place yeah. being housed until things are fixed. So, you know, these are really affecting us all on a day-to-day basis, and I think we're all a lot more aware of these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes also weary of all of the extra yeah. of it. And, uh, you yeah. know, you talk about traveling, traveling has become more expensive, but sometimes I also think you, what you're saying, my mother is 91, but I couldn't even imagine in the last 10 years how much travel has changed, maybe even 20 years. But for her to come into an airport and try to deal with TSA and try to deal with all of the delays and the way you have to find out your, all your information, yes. there's no way she could do that. There is not a single way she could do that. Yeah, absolutely right. I have an older husband who's, you know, manages his mobile quite well, but, you know, yeah. uh, there's, we're into a different level when you're going. Someone said to me when the last trip, but if there was a change of gate at the airport, it's more likely they'll tell you on the app 
then the lady will know or the man will know who's at the boarding gate. (laughs) (laughs) This is very concerning because if you don't, if you're not savvy, then you're kind of lost in the the shuffle. And then you're you're minding your battery life on your mobile device the whole time you're on, on the trip. And, and, you know, think about SIM cards. You know, I know Americans, when they travel, you know, your SIM cards work pretty well around the world, but doesn't for us. We arrive and we have to take our SIM card out and put a new one in. You know, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's quite a stretch. And, yep. Yeah, quite a stretch yeah. for all yeah. of us. But, mm. you know, I, I love that you provided these books as you're continuing with the books because I think that they're so helpful. They're beautifully written. You're you're such a good uh ambassador for the whole idea of being an intentional uh, long-distance grandparent. So uh, mm-hmm. we appreciate it. And it was so good to talk to you today and have you back. And looking forward That's to just, your another, another book coming. Oh, no. Thank you again. It's just lovely to chat and, yeah. and um, have this opportunity to be with your listeners. I, I really, really value it. Thank you very much. a lot of what Helen was talking about applies to many of us who live a bit of a distance away from grants, but there really are some significant differences that we have to remember when we're talking about that. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you happen to live 15 to 30 hours away from your grants, you are talking about a crazy time zone shift that you have to keep in mind, even when you communicate, much less travel to. Yeah, that would that would drive me crazy. I mean, I know a friend of mine who has like four different clocks on her wall with different time zones so she can keep track of that all the time. And of course, you can use your phone for that, but it's still not a lot of fun. It's work. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is you can't easily send care packages or gifts for special occasions without a whole lot of trouble and expense. You know, every time I send one, I feel like, wow, that was as expensive as the candy I'm sending. So I don't know. That doesn't sound great. Shipping is expensive. Shipping people is also costly. You know, you As much as it might be fun to attend every family event with those distances, you can't just hop on a plane every time. It's just not affordable. And and the time is costly as well. We found in our case that the time is a big thing, at least for me, because I'm not retired yet. Right. You know, and the other thing is, if there's an emergency, you're not like hopping on the plane to get there. You're very far away. It would be much harder to connect if you had to wait 30 can you imagine having to wait 30 hours on yeah so it's it's not impossible but it is so much harder than if you live within some boundary a time zone a state even a nation it's just not the same but if you have any distance between you and your grands it's easy to understand and empathize with people who have very great distances to deal with any distance requires intentionality and a whole heart towards a task at hand and that's what this podcast is all about We hope that as we bring you these stories each week, they help to encourage you and to motivate you as you work out the relationships you have with your adult children and your grandkids. You know, we so appreciate the time you take to listen, to comment, to rate and review our podcast. The hope is that we all get better at grandparenting the more we do it. And please let us know how you're doing at it or what subjects you'd like us to cover on this. You can write to us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave voicemail at 317-572-7876. We are so grateful for you. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. 
next time on The Grand Life? They were all very good listeners, and they treated us like people. And I know that sounds funny to say, but what we were saying carried weight and a different perspective. And I always felt like when I was little that I was heard. I think that was very important. And looking back on a lot of memories that I have with them, I felt like I was an active contributor to the conversations you could have, the questions they would ask, things like that. That's next time on The Grand Life. 